0: You're looking like a preacher. I thought maybe you wanted to preach today. You're looking good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if some of you like to debate and uh, kind of go at it with each other. Anybody prone to that a little bit? I like that. Okay. Uh, My hand's up there. Um, If you like uh, controversy and disagreement, uh, you came on the right Sunday. Uh, This is uh, the most disputed chapter in the book of Revelation, I would probably argue this is the most controversial and debated chapter in all of the New Testament. Um, I I don't think this is as controversial as Genesis 1 and 2, but in the New Testament, this this is probably as uh, controversial and uh, uh, interesting as far as debate goes. So turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. We're going to look today at the millennium, um, and that is the 1,000 year reign of Christ. Um, as you're turning there, did I tell you yet what we're doing this summer? I don't think I have. Scott, we're, we're going to spend the summer in the Psalms. Okay? Summer in the Psalms. Doesn't that have a nice little ring to it? Summer in the Psalms. Um, Honestly, I was thinking, what can we do that's like really, really different than Revelation Uh, uh, that's very distinct? Because if you don't need a change, I do, honestly. Uh, But I can't think of any more book in the Bible more different and more distinct from Revelation than the book of Psalms. So uh, we're going to start that the Sunday after Father's Day. We'll uh, we'll start our, our time in the Psalms. Would you please stand with me? We're going to read the first six verses of Revelation chapter 20. And, uh, oh, by the way, these are the controversial verses. Okay, here we go. Would you read with me? And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Let's pray. Lord, uh, every Sunday uh, we need your help, but there are certain Sundays where uh, it's just more evident at least to me, that we desperately need you to come and uh, help us illuminate our hearts, our minds. Uh, we need your guidance. We need your insight. Uh, we need your wisdom to be able to discern what this passage meant to the early church that it was written to. So would you please show us that? Make it obvious why it is that John was ordered to write these words down. And then, Lord, we're going to really need your help as we make the jump to today. Uh, 2,000 years later, uh, thousands of miles away in a totally different culture and place called Northern Michigan, uh, we need your help to know what this means to us today, 2015 Memorial Day weekend. So uh, we're looking to you. We need your help. It's been a busy week for most of us, Lord. It's been hectic. Uh, we've been running to and fro. And, Lord, we've uh, got this, uh, this holiday approaching. So, Lord, uh, help us to concentrate and pay attention. We invite your Holy Spirit to come and settle into your church even right now. We ask that uh, your Spirit might take charge of each and every one of our individual lives right now. We choose to slide off the throne. We slide over to the passenger seat. Lord, you drive. You be the king. You be the boss right now. Rule and reign individually. Lord, you rule and reign today in your church gathered at Walloon. And all the church gathered said, with unity and joy, you may be seated. There is an insert in your bulletin that I'd like you to locate. It's the white one. And uh, this is going to, if we're going to understand what the controversy is, why do people disagree with each other, going to need a little teaching today. Um, I'm not going to spend all morning on this, but we are going to take maybe 10 minutes or so and talk about uh, the controversy at hand. Okay, on the back that says your destiny, we want to go on the other side. Um, and I apologize that it's not clearer or larger. That's my bad. But uh, anyway, I want to talk about the four major views of the thousand years we just read about. Uh, four distinct ways that followers of Jesus interpret this, and they come to different conclusions than people who love Jesus just as much as they do. So please understand, as we begin, uh, people on different views, they still love Jesus as much as you do, even though your view is different than theirs. I do not believe, give me your eyes, this is not an issue we break fellowship over. This is not an issue we say, well, I I don't wanna be in your community, small group. This is not one of those issues where we get mean and ugly and loud with each other. Amen? Okay, so this is one of those issues, but I do believe it's good to study God's Word, and you need to come to a conclusion that fits for you. Um, uh, And and I'm going to try to explain the differences in, in as honest of a way as I know how. I tried to study each of them and get where they're coming from, but here's what you need to know, okay? Before we begin, solid people, Uh, let me list some, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Spurgeon, uh, Billy Graham, John MacArthur, John Piper, people that I respect, they all disagree with each other on this issue. And and I just need to tell you, they're all smarter and wiser and more godly than me, and here I am and I'm going to try to, and and they're disagreeing on, on this matter. So. Let's just let that be the preamble, and now let's jump in. Uh, I want to start with the uh, second view down. We'll get to the first one, but that's um, perhaps the the one that I need to take the most time with, so we're not going to start there. Post-millennialism, okay? That's the second one. These folks believe that the church is going to keep growing and getting stronger, and they'll just keep reaching out and eventually catch catch this we're going to christianize the entire world so pretty soon we're going to get so strong and so big that evil would be defeated Satan will lose all the battles and eventually everybody's going to be a follower of Jesus and the tribulation is symbolic uh... it's a symbol of the conflict of good and evil going on today and post-millennialists That's a hard word to say. They believe we're living in the millennium right now. Got it? Right now, this is the millennium, and they believe as we see more and more people transformed by our witness, eventually the world will be reached and Jesus will say, okay, I'm just going to come back to earth now. You've done the work, and uh, I will come and set up the new heaven and the new earth. Um, I just need you to know I've never met... A post-millennialist I, I've never met anybody who there's not many left I even read a couple uh, that claimed they were but the more I read they kind of said well I, I kind of like it but I don't really fully buy into it because uh, World War I came and evil and atrocity and then what followed World War I World War II and it was even worse Suddenly now, most people, most followers of Jesus realize the world's not getting better and better. Actually, the world is getting more dark, more evil, more vicious. So the truth is that it has been a view, but uh, not a very popular view today. Drop down to the third view. It says classic premillennialism. You get that in diagram four. Uh, form there. Most scholars believe this was the view of the early church. Okay, so most of the early church for uh, the first few hundred years of the church, this was their view. This view says the church will go through the tribulation. So they believed that the church would not be raptured, but that the church would be subject to go through the seven years of tribulation. Uh, this view says, at the Battle of Armageddon, Revelation 19, Jesus defeats the Antichrist, the false prophets, their armies, then Jesus comes to establish his 1,000-year reign on earth. And uh, the big reason they believe that, give me your eyes, they believe then during this 1,000 years, all of the Old Testament prophecies about Israel, Will be fulfilled in that 1,000 years, and that Israel will return uh, to Jesus and believe in Him. That's classic premillennialism. Would you go up to the top? Uh, ah, millennialism. This is the primary Reformed view. Uh, I, I will tell you that amongst uh, many people who go to churches like ours, This is the the trendy view. Lots of folks uh, who are reformed in thinking, they believe this is how you should view the the 1,000 years. Okay? Uh, Here we go. Amillennialists believe that the 1,000 years here is symbolic. It it really isn't 1,000, but it's just symbolic. And they believe the millennium is the period between the ascension of Jesus Christ to the right hand of the Father, 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 uh, Acts chapter 1, and it it starts there and it ends with the second coming of Christ in Revelation 21, okay? So that's the millennium from this viewpoint. Um, Amillennialists do not believe in a literal tribulation. Uh, They believe that the events of Revelation 20 one through six describe the world today. You tracking with me? This, this what we just read, that's the world today. And Jesus uh, is ruling in the hearts and the lives of followers of Jesus. That's how they would see. When it says that Jesus comes to rule and reign, that's talking about in the lives of Jesus' followers. That's how he rules and he reigns. And they would say Satan is being restrained And he's being restrained in this sense. Nothing is stopping God's plans. He's being kept from having God accomplish his plans. As the world gets more dark and evil, Jesus will return, defeat Satan, and establish his everlasting reign of peace. Make sense? Okay, hopefully you got a little bit of that. Slide down, we're almost done. Those of you who hate teaching, the, uh, the root canal's almost over. Um, bottom view, that's view number four, pre-tribulational, pre-millennialism. How many of you have read the Left Behind series? Jenkins and LaHaye. That's, that's the view here. Pre-tribulational, pre millennialists Pre-millennials believe that the thousand-year reign of Jesus is just that, a thousand literal year period of time where Jesus physically, bodily comes back to earth and rules and reigns in Jerusalem. Uh, He really is going to come and rule for a thousand years. Uh, Go back to chapter 19 and verse 15 with a rod of iron. Uh, uh, The difference in this view is when is the church removed by Jesus? So uh, in this group, there's actually several different uh, beliefs. Some people believe that Jesus will remove the church before the seven years of tribulation. Okay, that's, that's the LaHaye Jenkins left behind, uh, Dr. Jeremiah, that he's, he's there, okay? Um, others would say, no, no, he's going to remove the church at the halfway point. At three and a half years of the tribulation, that's when the church is removed. Others believe, no, no, he's going to remove the church just before God's wrath. Okay, there's lots of ugliness between men on men, but just before God pours out his wrath, he removes the church. And then still others say, no, no, we're going to go all the way through the seven years of the tribulation. So in this, in this view, there's, there's lots of different ways of viewing it but they all see Satan being released at the end of the thousand years, and then uh, Satan and his followers are defeated, the new heaven, the new earth, uh, begin on earth. So, pick one of those and run with it, okay? Here, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna tell you what I believe. Uh, (laughs) uh, Because I think that's my job here. But I say this is my view, I say it with grace and kindness, okay? Um, First of all, I'm convinced that the early church would have taken the thousand years. It's mentioned six times. Did you notice that? Thousand years in in those first six verses mentioned six times. So in six verses, six times, it says a thousand years. Um, I just don't believe that John said okay Jesus can come and rule for a thousand years and the early church say "Um, but that doesn't really mean a thousand years he just means that's metaphorical for the rule of Jesus in our hearts uh, as we're facing Caesar you know I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer I admit but when God's Word says something six times 1000 years I just happen to believe it means 1000 years Really, 1,000 years. And not something symbolic or metaphorical. or It, it means something that, that doesn't clearly state. You know, when the plain sense of Scripture makes sense, seek no other sense. That's been a rule that I was taught, and I tend to view God's Word by. Secondly, um, the pre-millennial view is the only view that accounts for all the promises that God's Word made for Israel. See, if you go to any of the other views, uh, remember all those promises about the land that that the nation of Israel would possess and repossess. All those promises, uh, Genesis to Malachi, the Messiah is going to come back and rule over Israel in the land. Um, The promises of blessing and peace and the line laying down with the lamb. Amil, postmill, Uh, they say, well, that's really just the church. The church is taking over all of those promises from Israel. And I just happen to believe that God finishes what he starts. I don't believe that God said, you know, I had this plan going there in the Old Testament with my chosen people, but mm, I don't think I want them anymore. I'm going to do a new thing. I believe that God finishes what he starts and Jesus on the throne, 1,000 years, finishes what he started. Thirdly, the more I read and study um, Revelation, the more I see this book as a chronology. And here's what I mean. It's not a perfect chronology. It's not like ding, 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 ding. But in general, there's a progression, and it, and it keeps moving as John records the vision the Lord wanted us to get now are we supposed to get everything down so we can like nail it on this perfect chart no I don't think that was the intent but I also don't believe the intent was that God would say up in heaven hey watch this angels I'm gonna have John write stuff down and they don't have a clue it's gonna be confusing and they're gonna be all messed up and it's like this puzzle that doesn't make any sense and nobody can understand it I don't believe that's the case either I I do believe this is revelation and it's meant for us to understand and it's not meant to confuse he gave revelation to reveal so I think we can understand it Uh, I'll go a little further as far as the tribulation is concerned I hope the pre-trib view is correct I really want it to be. That's what I've been taught, mostly. Uh, the, the Jenkins-Lahay, the Lord is going to protect his church and will be removed from the seven years. Of, I really hope that is the case. But the more I study, I, I suspect the pre-wrath view is correct. Well, What makes you say that? If you go back to the Gospels, give me your eyes just for a minute. Um, the Lord a couple times says it was just like is in the days of Noah what happened with Noah just before the flood what did the Lord do before he poured out his wrath what did he do he removed Noah and his family and he protected them and he says it was just as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and just before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah what did he do he removed Lot and his family okay just before wrath was poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah He I think, as I read, as I, I suspect, that the pre-wrath, the Lord's going to remove his church just before he pours his wrath on the church. So, as we move through Revelation 20, uh, pre-mill, pre-wrath, that's the pattern that I see. Uh, that's my best shot for you. Um, if you disagree, I love you. I think you're wrong, but I love you a lot. And... Uh, You know, we're not mad at each other. Amen? Okay. Verse 1. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil or Satan, bound him for a thousand years. He threw Satan into the abyss, locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. That's pretty straightforward, okay? Satan is literally bound, chained, locked, sealed in the abyss. That word means bottomless pit. Satan's prison, if you will, for 1,000 years. Remember the false prophet... And the Antichrist have already been judged if you go back to 1920 they've already been thrown they are the first residents of the lake of fire now here's the picture the Satanic Trinity has been nullified and now Jesus Christ rules the earth for 1,000 years with power and authority as the lion of the tribe of Judah verse 4 John writes I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the Word of God. They had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life, they reigned with Christ a thousand years. John sees thrones. Do you see that? Verse 4, I saw thrones, and I saw people seated on the thrones. They were given the authority to rule and reign and judge with the judge. Who is that? Revelation 3.21, Luke 22.30, 1 Corinthians 6.2 tell us the church, followers of Jesus, believed in the cross, believed in the shed blood, believed in the empty two, received him as Savior and Lord, they're the ones who get to rule and reign and judge with Jesus. Tell the person next to you, you get to be a judge. Let them know. Come on, tell them. Tell, tell somebody. You get to be a judge. Did you know that? Am hey, Myron, you get to be a judge. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's fun. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's you. Um, last part of verse 4, he says it, it's those who are followers of Jesus but also those who paid the ultimate price. They lost their lives during the tribulation. Those who were beheaded, why did they lose their heads? They refused the mark of the beast on their hands and their forehead. They refused to deny Christ and they paid the ultimate price. And they too get to rule and judge with Jesus for a thousand years. Now, just think with me how would that message have been received by the early church they're getting creamed by Domitian the the Roman Caesar when John wrote and now here's the message Um, just want you to know early church um, there's coming a day you hang in there you persevere you're going to get to rule and reign with Jesus and you'll be on one of those thrones for a thousand years I personally think that would be very encouraging to the early church at this time verse 5 the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended okay that, that's that's everybody else they just stayed dead we're talking about the first resurrection blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection The second death has no power over them. But they're going to be priests of God and of Christ and and will reign with him, with Christ, for a thousand years. Um, The rest of the dead are those who said to Jesus, leave me alone. Jesus, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want you in my life. I want to live my own way. I want to live my way. I want to make up my own rules. I want to be my own God. And they took the mark of the beast. Um, these folks stay in the land of the dead for a 1,000 years. They, they stay in Sheol, they stay in Hades, the place of the unbelieving dead, for a 1,000 years. Verse 6, I like this. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. Those are folks who died in Jesus and now have the privilege to rule and reign with Christ for a 1,000 years now why are they blessed what does it say because the second death has no power over followers of Jesus well what's the second death we're going to get to that in a little bit okay Uh, but the second death no power over people who said yes to Jesus now again I'm just telling you to the original recipients of this letter the early church under attack under persecution thrown in prison lost family lost jobs, it's saying hang in there, it's worth it. You're going to reign with Jesus as his priest. Did you see that? You are going to be his priest, you're going to reign with him a thousand years. Persevere, church, hang in there. Now the amil position here, I don't think is a a real promise. Uh, Symbolically, Jesus is ruling in your hearts right now, it's not real. You don't really have this to look forward to. So you got a nice symbolic picture going on in your heart. Do you understand? I think it loses the power to the original recipients. The promised reality of ruling with Jesus, that's what's being offered here. And that's the hope and the confidence the early church needed. They were under attack. Now this is where it gets real interesting, okay? Um, you're going to have to listen Real fast, and I'm gonna have to talk real fast because uh, it's 10:01. Here we go. Things get real interesting. Jesus has reigned and ruled with a rod of iron, perfect wisdom, perfect discretion, perfect peace, perfect righteousness. And now look what happens. Verse seven: When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog. Doesn't that sound good? I like that. That's back from uh, Ezekiel 38. And to gather them for battle. In, in number are they like the sand on the seashore. So during this thousand years where Jesus reigned perfectly, population swells, okay? Because everything's at peace, there's no war. Jesus is just taking care of people. Uh, but they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. First question uh, Jesus, uh, why do you allow Satan to get released? Uh, why do you let him out of the abyss and the prison? Why don't you just take him from the abyss and throw him right into the lake of fire? It's a pretty good question, don't you think? Are you ready? First answer, because uh, that's not the way God decided to do it. Okay, that's just, okay, that's, okay, that you might have, well, why did you do it? Well, because God's ways aren't our ways, and he's smarter than us. So that's the first answer, but uh, we like better answers than because I said so or because God said so. So here's, here's the answer. Why would you allow this? Lord, why would you let him out of the abyss and just go on the rampage over planet Earth? Uh, to illustrate the total depravity of mankind if you're taking notes to illustrate the total sinfulness rebelliousness stubbornness how evil men's hearts are under perfect justice and wisdom Jesus is on the throne think with me now no war no crime no political corruptness for 1000 the world is at peace for one thousand years these people have seen and experienced jesus firsthand for a thousand years and the first chance they get to rebel and sin what do they do uh, i don't think i want to do it your way jesus i'm gonna follow him And interesting very first chance they get um, many argue today if we just get the best schools the best education everybody can read and write then the world is going to be great. If we could just get rid of poverty and everybody has a good job, a livable wage, access to good health care, then we're all just going to grab a Coca-Cola and open it up and we're going to sing the whole world with each other because everybody has a good job and, and everybody's got a good education. If we could just get rid of pollution and stop global warming, if we could just get rid of political corruptness, If we could just get rid of greedy businessmen, then, I tell you what, peace and love and kumbaya would break out here on planet Earth. You know what verses 7 to 10 tells us? The perfect prince of peace rules for a thousand years, good jobs, great education, good health, no pollution, no greed, no corruption. And you want to know what happens? the first opportunity they get they say most "Uh, I don't think I want that anymore I want to go do my own thing I want to be my own boss I want to make my own rules see the problem on planet Earth give me your eyes it's not the externals it's the internal the problem on planet Earth is that hearts are selfish and sinful that's the core problem here on planet Earth and the only fix for that is Jesus Christ. So let's just circle back now. That's why this illustration, verses 7 to 10, is so important. It shows us why judgment and punishment is necessary for both Satan and folks who turn their back on Jesus. Hard-hearted, evil tendencies in mankind. The truth is, you you could give these people a million years with Jesus as ruler, but if their hearts are still hard and selfish, I want to do it my way, I don't want to be under your rule, the first chance they get to rebel, they're going to jump at it. Satan shouts to them, hey, follow me. I'll let you make up your own rules. You can live however you want. You can do it my way. I hate that song. You know why? That's Satan's song. And the population of earth, 14 generations of seventeen seventy years each, just like Adam and Eve in the garden, think about it, they had a perfect environment. And what happened with Adam and Eve? They still rebelled and they sinned. So he says it's just like, going to be like Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38. What happened back there? A sinister power rose up to destroy Israel. was defeated. That's going to happen again. These boys are going to march around and surround Jerusalem, and they're all going to say, we got them. We got them. Look at verse 9. We got them. They marched. They surrounded. There were hordes of people. They surround Jesus and Jerusalem, um, and they got their missiles, and they got their tanks, and their 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 guns and helicopters and jets ready. You ready? Here we go. Verse 9. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. It's like, oh, snap. Gone. You're gone. You're gone. See ya. Bye-bye, baby. Uh, instantly, they thought they had them. They were sneaking up, and instantly the Lord judges. Verse 10. And Satan joins the Antichrist. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now, I'd like to finish there. I really would. I'd like to say, Jesus wins. Satan gets his tail whooped. The satanic trinity are in the lake of fire. Let's pray and go home. Unfortunately, this chapter is not done yet. Uh, the most serious, sobering, sad, frightening verses, I think, in all of the Bible follow. Verse 11 Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence. That's Jesus there. And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each person was judged according to what they had done. And notice, there's no arguing. There's no debating. The evidence is clear and solid, and uh, it's irrefutable. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Great white throne judgment. Jesus Christ is on the throne. Earth and sky fled from his presence. No room for them. Uh, What's that all about? I think that's Jesus uh, beginning to remodel planet Earth. He's going to remodel and get it ready for the new heaven and the new earth. And what's that all about? come next Sunday that's starting in Revelation 21 verse 12 all the dead throughout all of history who are now ruling with Jesus chapter 20 verse 5 everybody who's not received Jesus as Savior and Lord those who did not come back to life all the unbelieving people in history all who have never been covered with the shed blood of Jesus Christ they are going to appear here at this judgment before the chief supreme court judge of the universe and they will be judged was it say for what they had done for their sin all have sinned and come short of the glory of God verse 13 the sea the sea of humanity perhaps it means the people who've been lost and killed at sea gave up its dead Death, and Hades gave up its dead. Uh, death, that's the Old Testament word. Sheol, that's unbelievers in the Old Testament. Hades, hell, New Testament unbelievers. Um, both of those now appear in judgment. They are both poured out and emptied for judgment. Verse 14, here we go. All the dead in history who refused the gift of salvation found only in Jesus... What's verse 14 say? Are cast, are thrown, are tossed, are dropped, pick your verb, into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And what's the criteria? What's the criteria that the Supreme Court judge Jesus uses to determine whether someone is emptied into the lake of fire or gets to rule and reign with him? What's the only criteria? Would you look at verse 15? Here's the criteria. Anyone whose name was not written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Anybody whose name was not written in, into the book of life, that's the criteria. Is your name there? Did, did he write it? Did, did he write it down? Did you accept Jesus by faith? Did you believe in the finished work of Jesus on the cross for you? Have you believed that he shed his blood for your sin problem? Did you believe he took your place in the tomb? Did you believe early on Sunday morning that he arose from the dead? Did you receive him as Savior and Lord? Listen, once you believe those facts and receive Jesus by faith, he seals you with his Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. He writes your name down. Permanent ink, Lamb's Book of Life. Would you grab that insert? That's where we're going to close. Grab that insert as we close, would you? uh, Now we want to go to the other side where it says your destiny. Here's what I want you to know. Um, We are created in God's image, and that means we have a God-shaped vacuum in our heart. And grace and salvation is offered to everyone to us through Jesus and the cross and only Jesus and new life in Jesus can fill up that hole that God shaped vacuum in our hearts so we can choose to be in Christ and then it says there's this abundant life and blessings and promises so keep going so that when you die it's appointed to man to die and then judgment But if you said yes to Jesus, look what's next. You're going to be with the Lord. You're going to go into the new heaven and the new earth. And that's Revelation 21. We're going to look at that next Sunday. Now let's go back to the beginning one more time. Or you're created in God's image. Grace and salvation in Christ are offered. And you say, "Uh, no, thank you. Uh, Leave me alone. I'm going to live my way. I'm going to make my own rules. I'm going to be my own boss, my own God. Death will come to everybody, right? Pointed to man once to die, and then judgment. You'll be placed in the holding cell, Hades, hell, and then you will face what we just read, Revelation 20, 11 to 15, the great white throne, judgment. I want to close with this little phrase. I think you can remember this. Okay, this is huge. Born once die twice born twice die once can you repeat after me born once die twice no you're gonna repeat after me okay okay we'll give it another run okay I understand Uh, it's holiday weekend Uh, born once once. die twice born twice die once you know what that means if you've only been born physically and you've never been born again with Christ you're, you're going to die physically and, and then you're going to face this awful death that we just talked about but, but if you're born twice physically and then born again in Christ you only die once born once, die twice born twice, die once let's pray key question of life, the key question that you and I will have to consider, and if you haven't, here's the question, is there clear evidence that your name is written in the book of life? Is it obvious? Is there fruit and evidence to back it up that you have had your name recorded in the book of life. And Lord, we pause, and we ask that you might make yourself clear, even right now, as we ask the most important question in life. Speak, Lord. We're listening. Lord, if there's any here right now who've only been born once, Would you impress upon them even right now how critical it is that they be born again? How do you get born twice? It's through the gospel. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son lived that sinless life took our place on the cross shed his blood took our place in the tomb early Sunday morning arose from the dead whosoever believes in Jesus should not perish not going to have to face the second death but have everlasting life, everlasting life. Lord, uh, give us courage to speak up to folks around us who are facing the second death. Uh, Even more important than our words, Lord, may our behavior, may they see Jesus alive and real and active as we reflect your love a dying world. And Lord, as we live for you, give us opportunities this next week to speak up for you. And we want you to know, like the early church, we look forward to ruling and reigning with your son, Jesus. We can't wait to uh, be a part of that kingdom where uh, we get to see you on the throne and ruling and reigning in perfect righteousness. There's a part of us that just longs for Can't wait to see it. It's in Jesus' awesome name we pray all these things.